Hello, my name is Markus Manninger, uh, CTO and founder of Drone Rescue Systems. We are providing parachute recovery systems for virus drone between 3 and 25 kilograms. Hi everyone, I'm Greg from Pilot Institute. We train drone pilots all over the country. Hi, my name is Haya from DroneXL, where we cover all the drone news on our website. Welcome to the latest episode of the Pixel Drone Show, our weekly podcast where we talk to industry professionals about what they do in the UAS space. From professionals who use drone to fly inspection missions to public safety users or even drone light shows, you will learn on the Pixel Drone Show that drones are much more than just toys. Let's go. <laughs> hey, how are you? Sounds good. Good, good. What's going on? Uh, nothing much. Getting ready for DJI Airworks, I guess. Uh, leaving yeah. this Sunday, so that's coming up soon. Yep. Yeah, I'll be leaving on yeah. Monday morning, heading over there, driving. I actually kind of, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of Vegas in general, just the city. It's a bit too many people and too much stuff for my, uh, yeah. for my personality, but. Uh, I enjoy the fact that I don't have to fly there, <laughs> so yeah. I can just get in my car and drive. That's a much, much better thing. I mean, I would have to drive an hour and a half to Phoenix. I would have to leave super early before anything happens. And then, uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. I drove there once a couple of years ago, but uh, from New York, it's a, uh, it's a very long drive. So uh, I'm looking forward to flying this time. It is a very long drive. Well, today we are talking uh, about parachutes, parachute systems. We'll bring our guest in a minute uh, onto the show. And but uh, it's it's interesting. You know, we we used to hear a lot more about parachute companies out there doing things, and then I think it's been a little quiet. So we'll be asking our guests some questions about. Uh, how this applies. They're based in Austria, yeah. which is really cool. Uh, we'll hear kind of maybe a difference in what the regulation is in Austria and in Europe in general based on the, on the parachutes. We, we met with them in um, at uh, UAV uh, Expo and uh, one of my uh, employees was really impressed with what they were doing. So we'll, uh, we'll talk to them about that. What, what are you looking for for the show today? Um, I'm, I'm definitely curious to uh, to see how this system works. I was looking on their website and they say they have a, it seems like they have a different method of deploying the parachute. So I'm, I'm kind of interested yep. to learn uh, how that exactly works and what drone models it applies to. And also since the company is based in Austria, does this work throughout Europe? Is this approved? And for more importantly for us here in the US, uh, is it FAA approved? So yeah, I think we have uh, a list of questions and uh, excited to get started with this one. Cool. All right. Well, let's bring Marcus into the show. All right. Marcus. Marcus is joining us today from Austria. And uh, Marcus, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's my honor, definitely. Well, we are always interested in talking to people that do something different. And your company does definitely something different for the drone industry using parachutes. Uh, before we start digging into all the details, can you tell us how you got into kind of the drone industry and interested in drones and this technology? Uh, sure, definitely. I mean, everything started in, I think it was 2013, where a friend of mine um, started doing uh, video, video photography with his drone. And like, these were really the early days. So there were quite a lot of crashes. And by that time, I was uh, working on a university project and I'm, I'm a paraglider by myself. So I'm always using to have my reserve with me. And we just combined the idea of trying to detect if a drone fails and combine it as a parachute. And that's how everything started. And yeah, that was already 2013. Yeah. 
Yeah, and things, things were a little different in 2013, right? I mean, many more drones would fly away and crash into stuff. And luckily now things seem to be uh, much more improved and drones have come a long way and are definitely a lot safer. Um, what was involved in, in, in starting a company in Austria that, that caters to the drone industry? And uh, what are some of the challenges that, that arose when you, uh, when you started the business? I think it's with, with every, every business, like, um, when you start with an idea, you need to find, you need to find out if there is a market, if there are potential customers. And 2013 was really also in terms of regulation. It wasn't clear where the path will direct to. But anyway, it was an idea and I, I founded it together with, with a friend of mine. And in 2017, we got an investment, uh, from an Austrian investor. And that's how everything started. So just just an idea and give it a try and yeah keep on working keep on improving <laughs> i would say so your your system is a little bit different than all the other systems i've seen before or even tested here in our office it doesn't use pyrotechnics to deploy the uh, to deploy the parachute can you talk about one uh the reason why you decided to go with this approach and then two how does it work and 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 why is it different than anything else yeah, you're right. Um, like the way we actually deploy the parachute, and I, I brought some units with me. This is this is uh, the one that will be installed on a DRS M300, for example. And we are only using those rubber bands to actually deploy the parachute. So it's like a catapult trigger mechanism. You push it in manually, and it will be released when there is any kind of malfunction detection. So. I think the idea is quite nice because it's very easy to use. Uh, whenever you have explosive, uh, people are afraid of using it, even CO2-driven deployment systems. And at the end, there is no need to have like an explosive on the yeah. drone just to deploy the parachute. So it really works uh, perfectly with those rubber bands. And they're very lightweight. Uh, you replace them from time to time. And... Basically, that's why it's always, uh, that's why it's also very competitive when it comes to the weight. And at the end, this is something we really took care of to make it as lightweight as possible. Because at the end, like you're using the parachute just in case and, uh, you want to make money with your payload and don't want to waste the payload for a parachute. Yeah, I love the idea of not having to replace this uh, pyrotechnic thing every single time. That's uh, that's definitely a big, big plus. Now, you mentioned malfunction detection. How does do you use um, speed sensors, or or uh, how does it how does it know to deploy? It? Let's put it this way. Yeah, uh, basically here in the base, so there's a little space where our electronic is embedded. So we came up with our own electronic boards. We do development of electronics and software in-house as well. So, yeah, I mean, you have, we have our parametric pressure sensors. We have our IMU sensors uh, and some other sensors. But mainly we are monitoring the flying behavior of the drone. So since the, this device will be mounted on the drone, it does exactly the same movement. And using those sensors, you can do an uh, attitude estimation and see, okay, uh, and set a limit if it banks more than, for example, 55 degrees, that's definitely abnormal. And that's that's one of the triggers um, to deploy the parachute. And same as decent rate, we're monitoring your rate and uh, various other parameters as well. So your system doesn't, it, it doesn't connect or communicate with the drone itself. It monitors the drone's behavior. And if it's if it breaks through any parameters, it deploys the parachute. Exactly. Yeah. 
from the beginning, we took care that we are that, that the parachute works totally independent from the drone. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're not relying on any sensors or any data coming from the drone because that's exactly what we want to cover. So yeah. in any kind of malfunction, even like if you have a power supply loss and you don't get any data from the drone, uh, you should still be able or the DRS is still be able to deploy and actually work in any kind of scenario. So how how far does a parachute need to be shot away from from a tumbling drone in mid air, let's say, in order to be able to deploy safely and not get tangled up in arms, legs, props, and what have you? Yeah, I mean, like it really depends on where it's located. So you try to keep it away. Like usually, you try to shoot it upwards, uh, and you try to keep it away from the props. Usually, we deploy uh, like for the DRS M three hundred. For the M three hundred, we deploy at about three meters. And that's exactly like the length of the lines. And then mm -hmm. as soon as they get stretched, the rest is done through um, when the canopy fills up with air. And that's basically how it how it inflates. So it doesn't really matter how strong you eject it. At the end, it's just the air that inflates the canopy that, that brings the drone down in a safe manner. What are some of the, the, the clear benefits of not having to use pyrotechnics in order to get that parachute launched away or deployed away from the drone? I mean, it sounds like this system with elastic bands is a lot more uh, simple and also easier, I guess, to, to uh, reset once it's used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as mentioned before, I think people don't want to handle uh, with any kind of explosives or dangerous uh, components. Um, and like we have, we have done a lot of testings, uh, of course, like within the product development, you do a lot of deployments, real scenario deployments. Uh, in the meantime, we have gone through several ASTM testing standards, uh, and it really proved to be reliable. And even like also those, those rubber bands are strong enough, uh, to catch up, um, like, like to have a minimum deployable altitude of just like 15, 20 meters, really depending on the, on the size of the drone. But, and so the performance is really good. That's yeah, 15, 20 meters. That's uh, really impressive. That's 50 feet for those of you that are not familiar with meters that are listening. <laughs> uh, what uh, what platform? You mentioned the Matrice 300. What other aircraft is this uh, valid for? Um, so we have this also used for the uh, M600 and basically uh, any drone between 10 and 15 kilograms maximum takeoff weight. So we have uh, a smaller one as well. So it's just a different size of the container. Uh, the shape is basically the same, uh, but of course the parachute is smaller for smaller aircraft and we have uh, parachutes all the way up to 25 kilograms currently. Hmm. Wow. And so if I, if I was going to buy one of those systems from your site, can I just install this on my drone or do I need any specific technical know-how or is it straightforward? Uh, I would say if you are a little bit into, into technic technology, uh, it shouldn't be a problem. Uh, especially for very popular drones like the M300, the M600, and now we're working on a parachute for the M30. So for those, uh, we really provide a plug and play system. So there comes mm -hmm. a manual with all the way, uh, with all the instructions, how to install it, uh, with all the, like the cords and, and, and the, all the screws and everything that's required for installation on one of those drones. Everything's included and we, we barely have someone calling us because he, he, he got stuck in the installation. So it really works quite smoothly. And the good thing is when the parachute is installed, you can do a full uh, 
check on the ground, like if the motor stop, if the parachute gets deployed, if, if there is an, like, there's an alarm buzzer, there's an LED showing the status. So you can really, after the installation, you really can make a full check before actually go out and fly. You mentioned earlier that uh, it triggers when you go to a certain attitude. Is there a way for the user to check and and change these values as to when it's going to trigger, or is this pretty much you guys decide and, and that's it? Uh, basically, everyone like um, that's that's not a problem. Um, part of that uh, of the parachute is also like a, a small micro SD memory card, and that's exactly where uh, a configuration is is located on. It's a simple text file you can open with your with any any computer, uh, and there are just the values for those parameters. So, for for parachutes like the M three hundred and mentioned before, like the ones we we already tested quite a lot, they already come pre installed with parameters that fit quite well. But we also have customers with custom aircraft uh, where we actually don't know what is the perfect parameter. So in this case. Um, we dis disable the automatic deployment. The customer goes out flying as most of, as aggressive as possible. Send us the data logs, and then we tell you, okay, this is the perfect parameter for your setup. Wow, that's but basically cool. everyone can can change it if uh, if it, if you want. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, something that's always on top of mind for many drone pilots is uh, battery life and flight time. And of course, when you have different payloads and add weights to a drone, it affects uh, how long the drone can stay in the air. Um, how heavy is your system and, and how does it typically impact the flight time for the drone models that you use it for? And is there any benefits uh, when you compare your system to some of the competitors? I mean, is your system lighter and smaller, perhaps? Yeah, I think like to um, when you compare our parachute with the com com competing products, uh, like for example, the one for the uh, DJI M300, uh, it's 490 gram, and other competitors are almost like they are 920 grams, so it's almost half wow. of the weight uh, of of of, um, of competing products. I mean, there are. Other parachutes out there, they are not smart. So it's just like a deployment unit. They probably might be more lightweight than ours. But if you compare ours with to others with the same features, we are almost half of the weight. And that's that's basically a big benefit for that. That's what we get as a feedback from customers. Do you think that would be feasible if, if you had a system where it's controlled by the operator with, let's say, a button uh, on? Yeah, that probably wouldn't work on their remote controller. No, never mind. You need an independent system. No, I mean, uh, what, what, what we're talking about is, is the manual triggering feature. So that's that's quite a, a standard nowadays for, for parachutes, and we also have one of those. So it's like a, it's a handheld device with two, two push buttons. And at least in Europe, um, it's also required. So you need to be able to stop the aircraft from like flying away uh, using uh, one of those uh, manual triggering devices. You can also trigger it uh, via the remote controller from the drone, but it's always more safe to have a separate control link, uh, which is independent from the control link you actually control the drone, because this is exactly what we want to do is like in any, like if there's a scenario where the flight controller wouldn't react anymore and you're not able to steer to control the drone anymore, then probably the trigger button will also not work. And this is why you have like a separate device. Yeah. And it's in Europe, it's also, also required. Yeah. yeah. 
Do, do you, um, and I know this might be a, a biased answer because you sell these, but do you think these should be mounted on all drones, whether a version of this or something small? Do you think parachutes belong on all drones? Yeah, I would love to see them on every drone, of course, <laughs> since, since we're selling them. Uh, I think, like, I think we need to defer, defer. It doesn't make a sense to like put a, put a parachute on a drone that's 200 sub 250 grams. Uh, there's just not enough impact energy uh, when it when it uh, crashes on the ground uh, on the ground. Um, but in general, I think if if we are going towards more high risk application, I'm talking about uh, uh, package delivery uh, or in general uh, flight over people or flight beyond visual line of sight. It is already required to have a, a safety device like a parachute installed for specific application. And I think that what that's what it will be in the future as well. For for some scenarios, it will be required. For others, not. Yeah, it's your system um, like what Apple does, designed in Austria, but then manufactured elsewhere, or is it designed in Austria and also built in Austria? Yeah, I mean, uh, we are still a small company, so we of course we source the components. I would say around the world, uh, especially like the, the electronic components, they they are. Yeah, from everywhere, but we still do uh, assembly and do the final test, and everything is still done in house. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's the uh, What's the price tag on uh, on these models? Uh, it's something between like the smaller ones. They start around two thousand, all the way up to yeah five five thousand euros. All right. And so when, when new drones come out, I mean, I'm using Apple again as an example. When, when new iPhones come out, typically the, the people that make the accessories for those new models get some of the specs and information already beforehand. Uh, if, if DJI is working on, let's say, in uh, DJI Inspire 3, would you guys already get the details of that drone so you can start working on the next parachutes? Or is that do you have to wait for the drone to come out and only then you're able to, uh, to get to work? Yeah, sadly, it's we don't have such a good connection to DJI. Uh, we are in we are in good contact with a lot of distributors, which are also selling our products. So sometimes they get demo units in the early stage, and we are able to get them just for a few days to take some measurements and see, just think about where we could place the parachute. But yeah. mainly, we need to we need to wait till the first ones are available for uh, for sale. And that's that's where we where we actually start uh, working on on new parachutes for for new drones. And DJI keeps us busy, definitely. Like they launch so much uh, products oh, yeah. here. <laughs> Uh, I was I was just hoping I would have found a new source for for like rumors and news in Austria, but. Uh... Yeah, we're also looking for that one. So uh, if you have a source, just please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Haya was fishing for information about the Inspire 3. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the regulatory standpoint here. And I know you're in Europe, which is different. Can you tell us in Europe, when is such an equipment, and you've kind of talked about this a little bit already, but when is such an equipment required on a drone uh, when you fly in Europe? Uh, basically, like the 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 ASA, the Europe, European uh, Air Safety Association, they they released new regulations and they were um, like they are mandatory uh, beginning two thousand twenty three. Uh, like there's a, there's a two years like this year and the last one was already like a transition phase where um, 
pilots could apply according to the existing or to the new rules. But in general, uh, the ASA is following the, the SORA standard. It's a safety operation risk assessment. So at the end, you need to, when you apply for uh, for permission, you need to describe, okay, what's, what's the aircraft looks like? Where's the area you're flying? And you're ending up in various uh, risk levels. And with a parachute, you have the option to, to lower the risk. Uh, and then you are able to operate the drone in an area where it would not be possible without a parachute. So there's not like a, a common a common thing where, where which which requires you to have a parachute installed. It really depends on, on the on the application. And I think it's it's the same like in the US you have the 107 waivers, which uh, is used by a lot of our customers when they want to fly above people by own visual line of sight, it's it's already quite mandatory uh, to have a parachute installed. So two weeks ago, you were at UAV Expo in uh, in Vegas. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your plans uh, to enter the US market and if it's any different than selling the products in Europe? Yeah, I mean, we are already, like we have done shows, like I have been to the commercial UAV Expo um, three years ago, but we didn't have our own booth. We were with one of our customers. So we are already penetrating the market kind of uh, for a while. But since this year, we have one of our uh, employees is, 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 is living part-time in the U.S. So he doesn't have a permanent visa yet, but he's like half of the year, he's already in the States promoting our product. So we are already on, on that way. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, usually we go on, on expos. We also come to the States uh, to really do demos. So like when, like last year, I've been in Texas, we're a big, big, uh, police and fire department they invited us uh, for for one of a local show and we and i was there to do a demonstration really go flying deploy the parachute um and compared to europe i think what we can see is that the the us market is a little bit ahead i would say because the the regular regulatory is already more defined uh, like there are a lot of there's still a lot of unknowns in europe and that prevents companies from really pushing the market. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's for for anybody, whether they're drone manufacturers or or selling accessories for drones. Uh, that's hard because like all the countries around the world and and regions like Europe and, and uh, North America, they all have different rules. And for the most part, I think they they try to address the same concerns, but they have slightly different ways of going about it. And I can imagine in uh, in your position that might uh, yeah, yeah pose some extra challenges. It's it's even it's like uh, I mean we have this this European regulatory framework, but there's also some way of interpretation that the local or the national civil civil civilian aviation authority can really change it a little bit on that. So that's not a like a, a hard fixed plan. So it's always a little bit tricky, and we see it because we also help our clients to get permissions. So sometimes they are asking for. Yeah, strange paperwork we need to provide for for one country and the other one uh, doesn't really ask for that. So it's it's not a, a strict parse you can follow currently. So so does does that mean that you basically have to establish a relationship with the FAA as well in order to get customers and, and help them to get their drones approved for certain missions? Or I mean, we we are in contact with the FAA, but it's 
it's it's not that easy to find the right person uh, which is responsible for example parachutes um, in the US there's this uh, ASTM standard which is already a good way for us as a manufacturer we know okay we need to follow uh, these standards these are the requirements these are the testing procedures we need to go through so it's it's much more easier and this ASTM standard is also widely accepted in Europe as well I would say uh, but at the end, like even in the US, like we provide the parachutes and the documentation uh, to customers. And if they have special requests, well, of course, we're happy to like uh, do more testing and stuff like this as well. Yeah, ASTM is definitely the way to go. That's a recognized standard pretty much nationwide. So uh, who are your customers? Are they individual people that buy this? Are they enterprise companies that fly uh, have a large fleet of drones? Who Who do you sell to? Yeah, we are mainly in the B2B business market. So we have a few single pilot customers, um, but mainly we are working with resellers or, or larger companies that yeah, have a fleet of drones. And uh, we are also now involved in a few uh, drone delivery projects, which is very exciting for us uh, since they are like our perfect customer. They are flying in a high risk environment and they need the parachutes and they also need it on a, on, a, on a bigger quantity. Yeah. So in the United States, over the last couple of years, we've seen a, a new group of drones that, that emerged uh, called the Blue SUAS, the, the Blue Drones. And uh, in order to get your drone approved for Blue Drones, you have to meet a whole range of requirements. And this started with the Department of Defense. But what we've seen happen now is that many larger corporations that need drones uh, tend to favor this, the, the blue SUAS as well because they're so vetted and, and uh, pre-qualified, if you will. Um, if you mount one of your systems on a blue SUAS drone, do you know if that drone would still qualify or are you guys working to get your system approved so it can be used on uh, blue SUAS drones? Yeah, I mean, I can totally confirm this. Like even on the, on the expo in, in Vegas, a lot of people are asking for Blue SUS, and we already started looking into that. And like, we don't have the, all the all the papers ready now, but we don't see any reason why we uh, we are not uh, ready for 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 the uh, Blue US. Yeah, you talk about paperwork. I, I'm I'm wondering in the back of my head, who's easier to work with as far as paperwork, uh, the European authorities or the uh, FAA in the US? <laughs> That's a tricky question. <laughs> um, it's a little bit hard to, to say because we are more or closer involved with European customers. So I'm much more into the ASR stuff than in the, in the FAA stuff. Hard to say. Like, it's, I, I cannot tell, actually. <laughs> if you were in charge of drone regulations in Europe, what, what would be the thing that you would change that would allow businesses like yours to, to grow better, faster? Like, what's the biggest hurdle that you currently run into? I mean, I also need to um, tell a little bit what we had experience with our customers because we don't actually go through the registrations um, with our drones. But we see that um, the main problem is that there is no clear way. So there's not a, a one specific thing. There are still a lot of open questions. There's no one pass to get your uh, approvement. There are still a lot of individual things you need to provide uh, from case to case. So it's it's hard to tell the, the one and only. There, there are a few things. But like in Europe, I know they are working on that. 
Uh, it took a while to come up with the new regulations, and of course, they're not perfect yet. I hope this will get better in the next few years, and probably in a couple of years, we, are, we have this clear path forward to this registration. Yeah. So the, the FA recently has switched to uh, the, the categories of drones, category two, category three, and category four. Uh, primarily category two and category three, none of these drones currently exist in the US as we're recording this. Uh, these would allow people to fly over uh, moving vehicles and flying over people. And you mentioned that you, you have some customers that are using part 107 waivers, which I think are slowly going away to uh, be replaced by category drones. Uh, do you think a parachute, whether it's yours or, or somebody else, do you think a parachute is going to be uh, required to be mounted kind of uh, permanently on top of a drone in order to qualify as, as category two or category three in the US? Uh, yes, definitely. I think so, because uh, in these categories, there is already a, a maximum impact energy specified. So uh, you could even like have a very tiny and small drone, uh, which limits you in terms of payload or, or features in general. So if you want to get uh, these uh, permissions uh, with bigger drones, I think there is no other way than using a parachute. Uh, and also... Uh, you need to ensure, uh, like using a propeller guard, that you're not able to harm people on the ground. And this will also be covered with our parachutes because we uh, switch off the engines before the parachute gets deployed. So whenever the drone comes down, it, it will be in a safe manner, slow enough to stay below, uh, below required impact energy and the propellers will also not rotate. So we are definitely working on that. So this, this, this would be the ideal solution. Like if we could provide a parachute uh, for a specific aircraft and we know like uh, if you install this on your drone, you are getting permission according to category two and you're able to fly. But we are working on that. Um, but the main problem is that the, that the, that the limits for the kinetic in impact energy, they are so ridiculously low that it's really hard to even with a parachute, uh, to bring it down that slow. That's interesting. And that was actually going to be my next question, because I'm sure you guys deal with kinetic energy measurements all the time. What, um, what is there, is there such a requirement in Europe? And I should be, I should know better than, uh, not knowing the rules in Europe, but is there a kinetic energy requirement? And if so, what is it? Or you mentioned that it was, uh, extremely low in the US. Uh, what do you think is a reasonable number compared to what the US has? Uh, in Austria specifically, but it's also very common in Europe uh, to have a maximum kinetic impact energy of 80 joules. Um, 80. Wow. So this is also okay. a number that's already spread out uh, around Europe, um, which is definitely doable. But if you have an aircraft that's 25 or 35 or even heavier, the the parachute needs to get needs to become really really big and if the parachute is too big and you have a little bit of wind impact then you have more forward speed than downward speed and then the impact energy is rising again so it's a little bit of trade-off i think it should not only be the 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 impact energy because when we do testing with a parachute, like it's very clear that when the parachute deploys, it's a really uh, big uh, fabric. So it's easy to, to see. Uh, it's, it's usually it has like, like ours are mainly red canopies. So it's very visible. 
we have an audible sound that, that starts beeping uh, when the drone is coming down on the parachute. So it's not only about really the impact. I think it's also about like getting people uh, that aware, aware. That, that there is something coming down on them kind of, yeah. So, yep. um, and this is something I'm really missing. It's not only like to nail it down on one number, it should be more uh, involved. Do you, do you think the parachute system still works for, for much larger drones, like cargo drones, where you imagine that, uh, let's say, an Amazon drone flying between different warehouses with uh, many kilos of, of, of payload? Do you think it would still work for those kind of drones if we ever get to see those? Yes, um, definitely. I mean, like in the, in the manned aviation, uh, they also use parachutes for, for smaller aircrafts, and they are, I don't know, a couple of hundred kilos, I would say. So it's just a matter of size of the parachute. And, of course, like... The bigger the parachute is, the more altitude it requires to fully inflate and open. But uh, at the end, it's it's yeah, there shouldn't be any limit. Would would that still work with uh, the rubber band deployment system that you have, or would you at that point start to look for different solutions, perhaps? Yeah, I would say this is um, if I mean we are already working on like custom projects uh, with bigger parachutes, uh, and what we what we usually do is we go, we are switching uh, to two-stage deployment system. So we're still using our current parachute that gets deployed, but that's just a guide chute that pulls out a bigger one. Mm-hmm. So with this uh, setup, you can still use the rubber bands. If you want to have a single parachute that needs to get deployed and that's a few kilos, you probably need to come up with some stronger mechanism. Yeah, interesting. Um, the as far as purchasing the the device, are you planning on having uh, some kind of dealership in the U.S. or selling directly to the customer? Uh, wh- how does it work actually right now in Europe? Yeah, I mean, even even in the U.S. and we have a lot of resellers in Canada. Uh, the the list is not on the website currently, but uh, it will be published soon. Uh, so we do both. We we you can really contact us straight, and we will sell you the parachute. But you can also go to your local reseller and order it via them. And we already have a lot of resellers in Europe and US as well. Awesome! That sounds that sounds uh, exciting. I mean, now that we're getting towards the end of the uh, of the interview, uh, one of the questions we always ask uh, the people that we interview on this show is, and, and this should be fun for you perhaps as well, since you've tested so many different drones. Uh, what is your favorite drone to fly? If you were gonna take Let's say tomorrow it's weekends and you're going to fly a drone. Which one would you pick? Uh, I would take one of my FPV drones, actually. That's that's the nice. most fun. <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, we, 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 do a lot of, uh, we do a lot of test flying. Uh, currently, we have the Alta X sitting in our office, so even the big ones. But um, when it comes to drone flying, I prefer uh, my small freestyle quads. Follow-up question on that, actually. I mean, FPV drones uh, becoming more and more popular, and what we've seen as well, especially in the movie industry, is that they're starting to use FPV drones with relatively large cameras and lenses. And not only are they heavy, but they're also expensive. Have you guys sold any of your parachute systems to people that fly those kind of drones? or? Uh, not that I'm aware of. I mean, the, the typical FPV drone pilot, uh, like... They even take the GoPros apart to save the the weight of the of the case. So I would say that the the standard FPV pilot doesn't want to have any additional equipment that's not really really required. But um, as you said, like there are FPV drones that are quite big and carrying red 
cinema yeah. cameras that would make sense yeah yeah those yeah. are definitely worth uh, saving although i can imagine if you have an auto trigger system that's setting the right parameters for that uh, parachute to be deployed on an fpv drone might be a bit of a challenge i guess that's why yeah. i was asking earlier if you if you could change the parameter because that that was in my head thinking about fpv drones uh, yeah. using I mean, um, it, it, like of course if you start doing loops or, or something like this the, you probably should deactivate uh, all those features but since our parachutes are so flexible, you can really like you can set the the maximum banking angle to ninety degrees and just take care you don't overshoot. Uh, and even like like all the other trigger uh, parameters, you can switch some of them off. Uh, we also have geofence feature where there is a GNSS receiver built inside of the parachute, oh, wow. uh, and if you have a flyaway, it will stop the drone by using the parachute. So that that would definitely work, or maximum descent velocities, yeah, yeah. yeah so that, could, that would have helped. But, sorry, go ahead, Greg. No, oh, no, no, no. I was going to say you could also use that that uh, controller, the MacGyver-looking remote controller, to uh, to trigger it from a distance. This thing, yes, yeah. <laughs> that would be yes. that. That's the toy I want to play with. I just want to have that and <laughs> get it going. Yeah. Oh. Both Greg and I are going to be in Las Vegas uh, next week for DJI Airworks. But a few years ago, there was a, a guy who launched a drone. I believe it was from a uh, parking garage. So there was already interference right there. And he lost control. I believe it was a Phantom 4. He lost control of the drone. And the drone stayed airborne, but slowly drifted into uh, the air, uh, airport and landed. Uh, I think it was on, an, uh, on the strip there. So your geofencing parachute system uh, yeah, would have saved that guy and a lot of other people a lot of headaches. <laughs> That's exactly, and and uh, containment is also a big issue in Europe. So you really, really, really need to take care that you're only flying in that area you are allowed to. Uh, and this is why we came up with the idea uh, have a separate GNSS module built inside of the of the parachute. So also with a GPS, we wanted to be independent from the from the from the aircraft. Uh, and a flyaway is exactly one of those situations where it's really hard to detect if, if it's out of control because it's, it's literally, it's still flying. So it doesn't overshoot in, in terms of banking angle. Uh, it's, it's really smooth flying, but yeah, you probably cannot control anymore and it starts flying away. And if it's going towards uh, an airport, that's probably the worst case. And therefore, yeah. um, our geofence option is the choice to go to. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Marcus. Well, we really appreciate your time, especially on the Friday evening for you. Uh, I know it's, it's getting late over there and we, we really appreciate you joining us and uh, sharing all of this. Uh, where, where can people find more information about the system? Um, it's uh, the best choice is to go on our website, www.dronerescue.com. Uh, there are email and telephone number. Just send us a request over the website. Uh, we are we are happy to um, be part of projects. So we do a lot of assistance for customers. So even if the product is not uh, specifically mentioned on the on, on our website, just give us a call or send us an email. We are happy to come up with our ideas and to get it integrated. Any plans on being at a trade show uh, in the US anytime soon? We thought about going to the DJI show, but it's Obviously, I think it's not possible for us uh, to, due to time conflicts. I think that's it for this year. We'll definitely be at the UV Expo in, in Vegas again. And we have also done the 
the other one in 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 uh, Florida, I think so. The AUVSI exponential. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it's in Denver this so year, so early next year. We've been there, and we're also trying to do one or two shows in Europe as well. So, yeah, and let's yeah, we'll see. It's a lot of work <laughs> to be at trade oh, shows. And, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the real question is, Greg, do you still need trade shows when you're on the Pixel Drone Show? No, that's right. Yeah. You don't. You don't. Hopefully, hopefully not. Yeah, like we'll not. <laughs> next next week, when we get all the requests from the website, probably. That's no, always good. Like, I, I really, I really enjoyed uh, being in Vegas. And the nice thing is, like, even we are from Europe, we already have a lot of customers in in the US, and it's 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 really so fantastic. If you walk around the booths and you know already those, like, they are most of them are already customers of ours. So you that's also a, a way to get in um, to get personal contact and like yeah usually you meet on the evening you go out have a few drinks and that's something you cannot do you can only do if you meet in person and that's that's also yeah. one of the reasons why we like to go to shows yeah yep. yeah that's very true i mean especially the last couple of years with covid i think all of us have missed the face-to-face -face contact that you have when you go to expos and conventions but uh thanks so much for being on our show i mean we definitely promote safe and responsible drone flying and i think parachutes uh, make a lot of sense so uh, it was awesome to kind of hear your story, pick your brain, ask all these questions and, and learn more about your parachute system. Yeah. Right. Thank you very much for having me here. It's always a pleasure for us. And we are, we're seeking for attention uh, online. I think your show is uh, the best opportunity for us. And yeah, like easy talking uh, in an interview. That's, that's perfect. So thank you very much. Uh, thanks for your time as well. And yeah, see you next time, yeah. I would say. <laughs> thank you, Marcus. Thank you. Our uh, pleasure. One, one of the shows. We'll see. All right. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Bye.